0: from the beginning the enemy has been trying hard to to take down our identity to destroy our identity and tell us we're not who we said we are in the garden did god really say you were made you know you really are not in the likeness of god you don't really have everything he told you that you have do you so they were deceived from the very beginning and before the foundation of the world god had a rescue plan for us in place and the rescue plan was jesus and so um, you know some of us some of us uh came to the lord through through what they call the roman's road to um salvation and and that was that's fine that was good it was a good message um, let's look at romans 10 9 and 10 real quick so that if you confess with your mouth jesus as lord and you believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So when you do that, it's an instantaneous thing that happens. It's a mystery that Christ accomplished on the cross for us. And um, so at at the moment that we were born again, this is what it's called, being born again. So now let's look at um, John 3, 5 and 6. Um, Jesus answered, and this is out of the Passion Translation. I speak an eternal truth. Unless you are born of water and spirit wind, you will never enter God's kingdom realm. For the natural realm can only give birth to things that are natural, but the spiritual realm gives birth to supernatural life or spiritual life. Um, and I know that uh, some of you who have been here have heard Pastor Mike talk about that we are a triune being. We are spirit, soul, and body. So. What happened in that mysterious and awesome moment on the cross was that Jesus actually took us unto Himself, and we became one spirit with Him. We became, instead of just physical beings that we were, we became supernatural, spirit-filled beings, one with Him. Um, and, and back to that Romans Road thing. A, a, a lot of in Romans six, seven, and eight, something that I learned this this year. Um, I've been part of a program called Global Celebration School of Supernatural Ministry. And last year really was focused on our identity. And um, so one of the main things that they did, they really dug into Romans 6, 7, and 8. Um, And in Romans 6, 7, and 8, something that I never realized before was that all of the times that sin is used in those three chapters... um, it's used 33 times. One time it's used as a verb. 32 times it's used as a noun. A noun is a person, place, or a thing. It is, it is the persona of sin. It is our old carnal nature. And um, so I want to look at what happened to that old carnal nature. Um, uh, because a lot of Christians will still, will still identify themselves as sinners. But I want to look at ...at what actually happened on the cross. So let's look at... um, Let's first of all look at Galatians 2.20. And we're going to look in the Passion Translation. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah... ...and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the Anointed One lives his life through me... As we live in union as one. Now that co-crucified... Okay, let me, I'll finish this. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to read that one too? <laughs> My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and he dispenses his life into mine. And um, so his life is in us. Would anybody say that Jesus is a sinner? And our spirit is one with him. That was that mystery that was taken on at the cross, that we became one with him. That word co-crucified, in a lot of the um, translations it, you'll see, we are crucified with him. We were buried with him. That word with is the Greek word. Crucified with is actually one word um, in the Greek, and it is sustaru. It is to impale in company with. And when you break down that word, you have the word Soon, which denotes a union, but much closer than, much like the closest possible union. And staru is to impale on the cross to crucify. So it's like two hands, one nail. I want you to picture yourself. That Jesus took you unto himself. And that in that way, his sufferings became yours. He brought you into that place as part of his rescue plan for us. And um, so that, that word co, this is one of the really cool things that came about. Um, these, uh, the folks that, that uh, started the Global Celebration Ministry, um, Georgian Banoff is the, is the guy, and he was from Bulgaria. He was brought out of communism. If you have a chance to read his book on joy, I would highly recommend it. It's been one of my favorite books in the last couple years. But um, the Bulgarian Bible was actually published in 900 A.D. That was the King James Version wasn't published until 1611. So um, Georgian and Winnie Banoff were going over and over in that Galatians and really studying that message of being crucified with Christ. And she had so many different versions, and she asked her husband, will you please read to me out of the Bulgarian Bible? And so he was reading to her out of the Bulgarian Bible, and, and you can bring up that um, Galatians 2.20 again, uh, that uh, <laughs> I have, my old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah. In the Bulgarian, it said co-crucified. Now, this is the Passion Translation. Now, there are other translations that use that, that term. But she said, wait, hold on, stop right there. What do you mean, co? Where, where did that come from? I've never seen that in my life. And so they really started digging into it and found out that word "co" is the same. It's the sun. It's the same word as the with Christ um, that in that closest possible union. So um, let's take a look also at Romans 6.6. 6. And a lot of these are going to be in the Passion Translation. Um, could it be any clearer? Our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power. For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would no longer continue to live one moment submitted to sin's power. So I want to say to you that that old sin nature, that is a person. It's a place of thing. It is, it's a noun. That old sin identity was crucified on the cross. And so now the memory of our past is still in our heads, right? Because we still have the soul. We still have the mind. So all that memory of the past is still there. But in the spirit, God says it's gone. It's dead. That old man is dead. So when the enemy or somebody or yourself tries to bring up something in your past, oh, do you remember when you did that ugly thing? Do you remember that all these terrible sins that you did? And that's part of you. Do you know what you have a legal right to say? You have a legal right to say, no, that person's dead. That wasn't me, (laughs) because I've been made a new creation in Christ. Um, And we're going to look at, we've also been co-buried. Let's look at Romans 6-4. I mean, he didn't just stop at the cross. He took us with him all the way. Uh, Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. Uh, and that is just a beautiful and glorious picture of of baptism. And, uh, uh, and so we're going to look at that in a minute, too. In fact, let's see. Yeah, let's actually um, back up. Let's do the Romans 6, 3 through 7. Let's look at that together. Do you, go, do you have that one, the 3 through 7 of Romans 6? Yes. Okay. Have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus or baptized with Jesus, the anointed one, we were immersed into union with his death? Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that it imparts. Could it be any clearer? Our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power, for we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would no longer continue to live a moment longer in sin, submitted to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. Mm-hmm. So, does that mean you will never sin again? No, but does it mean you are not? A, does it does mean that you are not a sinner anymore? Because that one is dead. So, <laughs> now let's look at um, let's look at Colossians two twelve and thirteen. We have been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him. When we believed God's resurrection power. The power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp. But now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death. Never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. Hallelujah. That is part of our identity. (laughs) We are forever alive and we are forgiven. We are eternal spiritual beings we are forgiven. We have been set free from the tyrant that was sin over us. And that is why it is so important to take every thought captive to renew our minds continually to what God says about who we are. Um, and In um, Ephesians 2.6, it talks about our being co-seated. For two have now become one, that closest possible union. And we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ, through his crucifixion, hatred died. So powerful. In Romans eight seventeen, that we are also co-heirs. <laughs> since we are his true children, we qualify to share all of his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we're joined to Christ we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. And that really is a picture of us coming into alignment with what he says and acknowledging that what he said, we don't understand how it happened. We, don't, we didn't feel like it happened to us. But he said he took us unto himself. He said... We were co-res, co-crucified with him. He said we were co-buried with him. He said we were co-risen with him. And now he says we are co seated co-heirs, co-glorified with him. It doesn't matter how we feel. <laughs> it matters what he said. And we can trust him, his almighty king of kings and lord of lords. It was God's complete rescue plan from the beginning. Family has always been his heart. It's always been his heart. He wanted to have children. He wanted to have family. Jesus came as our heavenly groom, and we are his bride. That's something else we're going to look, like, look at here. Um, and it, like I said, it is a mystery. Excuse me while I untape my... <laughs> it, it's just a total mystery that, that we don't understand all the way. But we have to be willing to live with mystery. We have to be willing to be teachable, and we have to be humble enough to say it's not all about me. It's all, It really is all about Jesus. It really is. God didn't have another plan. Nobody else came to rescue a fallen world. Jesus did. But it, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop where we got rescued and where we now have some magic ticket into heaven because Jesus saved us. The, the whole message, I mean, that is the message of the gospel, right? That, that he came to save us from our sins, that we could have eternal life with him. That's the gospel message, that Jesus came, right? Yes, but it didn't stop there. That wasn't complete. That wasn't the complete message. The complete message was that he rose and that it was already part of his plan from the very beginning to put Christ in you, the hope of glory. 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 Why? Because he wasn't going to be here walking around, but he sure had a plan that all of us would be in complete union with him, united with him, co-heirs with him, and that um, there are so many ways that our... In our new creation, there are so many facets of our identity, right? We, we're called saints now. Paul addresses all the churches as saints. He doesn't say, hey, you sinners, I have a message for you. <laughs> hey, you know, he doesn't go around and talk to the people who are already baptized into Christ, and he doesn't say, hey, sinners. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was on the earth, Jesus never even walked up to somebody once who was walking in sin and said, said to them, you are such a sinner. Let's clean you up. Let's clean you up, and then maybe you can come into my kingdom. No, he didn't. Jesus approached everybody with such supreme love, and that supreme love is also one with us because Jesus is love. God is love. And so the same way that he went about and that he just wrapped everybody up in his love and in his kingdom love, that's also the power that he's put in us. So that we can see everybody the same way that he sees and We can love the same way that Jesus loves us. Um, so yeah, he calls us saints. He call, says that we are righteous. We are redeemed. We are holy. We're forgiven. We're delivered. We're set apart and sanctified. We're justified. We're glorified. And we're, we're the dwelling place of God. We are the dwelling place of God. Um, so one thing I'm going to... I'm going to pull this out for a moment. And then we're going to get back to us being the bride of Christ. But I've been reading. This is another book I'm going to recommend. I've been reading The Supernatural Power of a Transformed Mind. It's by Bill Johnson. And boy, (laughs) is it a wake up. It's such a wake up and, and a call to cry out for more revelation. God, would you just... Reveal yourself so strongly to us so that we really, really have a revelation. Not head knowledge. Head knowledge is only going to go so far. We need to have a revelation. We need to have heart knowledge of our belonging to him. We need to have heart knowledge that this amazing and loving father sent his son to be our heavenly groom. And Jesus was called, Jesus himself was called the house of God. He was called the tabernacle. He tabernacled among us. God tabernacled among us. He, he dwelt among us. That was Jesus in the flesh, that he dwelt among us. Um, and I don't know, I, Tiffany, I don't know if I gave this to you, but um, I'm just going to read here from the book here for a moment. Um, and the word became flesh. This is from John 1:14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So like I said, dwelt means to tabernacle, and tabernacling is dwelling. Jesus was the house of God made flesh. But <laughs> that, is, that was the initial fulfillment. That was the initial fulfillment of the house of God. But it wasn't the full fulfillment. It wasn't the ultimate fulfillment of that. The ultimate fulfillment of that is that we all, are the house of God. Each of us has become the house of God, His dwelling place, um, and His original intent is for you that you are filled with His fullness. Um, in and the full, the, the first place that the word house of God was mentioned was in the Old Testament when Jacob wrestled with God, and he saw that ladder and he saw angels ascending and descending there and he said surely this is the house of god he saw an open heaven and i want to tell you that you as being the house of god you have that open heaven you now are that house of god that ladder that where angels ascend up and descend down to bring you things that is you you are the house of god that is another facet of our identity in him. It's in, it's unfathomable that he would choose us, earthen vessels. But I want to point out to you that the first miracle was Jesus at a wedding. Why? Why at a wedding? Because marriage is really important to him. <laughs> and because family is really important to him. It was all a picture of us. We are the earthen vessels. We're the ones that got that got washed in his blood. That communion that we have with him where we take the cup of his blood and we become one with him. We take his body to ourselves and we take of his b- blood the wine and we become one with him. And that is a picture, that glorious picture of the, wa- of the water becoming wine in an earthen vessel at a wedding. You guys are the bride of Christ and you are filled to overflowing with everything that He has for you, <laughs> He was so overflowing. Um, so I I want to read first of all, I, and I'm going to encourage you guys. I'm going to encourage you to, if you never have, read the Song of Solomon, um, in the Passion Translation. Do yourselves a favor, sit down, have some soaking worship music on or whatever. Be in a lovely place where you don't get disturbed and sit down and read the entire Song of Solomon in the Passion Translation and soak in his love for you. Because it is so incredible. The things that he says about us are beyond (laughs) comprehension, what Jesus says about us. So we're going to look at Song of Solomon. Um, And this happens the moment that we give him our yes. Yes. So, uh, I don't remember if I gave you this, Tiffany, the Song of Solomon. um, And let me see where I want to start. I want to start in, I want to start with the Shulamite in verse 6. Yay, okay. I've made up my mind, until the darkness disappears and the dawn has fully come, in spite of shadows and fears, I will go to the mountaintop with you the mountain of suffering love, and the hill of burning incense. Yes, I will be your bride. That is what we said yes to. That's what we said yes to when we said, Jesus, I accept what you did. I accept the sacrifice that you made for me. I believe that you are who God said you are. I believe that you are the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. I believe you are my Savior, my Deliverer. And... I want you to be my Lord. As soon as we said that, this is what really happened. We said, yes, I will be your bride. Every part of you, this is is Jesus speaking to you. So I want you to imagine Jesus is the one saying this to you right now. Every part of you is so beautiful, my darling. Perfect is your beauty without flaw within. Now you're ready, my bride, to come with me. As we climb to the highest peaks together, come with me through the archway of trust. We will look down from the crest of the glistening mounts and from the summit of our sublime sanctuary. Together, we will wage war in the lion's den and the leopard's lair as they watch nightly for their prey. For you reach into my heart. With one flash of your eyes, I am undone by your love, my beloved, my equal my bride. You leave me breathless. I'm overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes, for you have stolen my heart. I'm held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. How satisfying to me, my equal, my bride. Your love is my finest wine, intoxicating and thrilling, and your sweet perfumed praises... So exotic, so pleasing. Your loving words are like honeycomb to me. Your tongue releases milk and honey, for I find the promised land flowing within you. The fragrance of your worshiping love surrounds you with scented robes of white. My darling bride, my private paradise, fastened to my heart, a secret spring are you that no one else can have my bubbling fountain hidden from public view what a perfect partner to me now that I have you (laughs) it's pretty astonishing isn't it that Jesus would say those things to us that he loves us so much that he first of all gave his life for us and that he would have this plan from all eternity, for our rescue, and for us to be brought into His kingdom, and and call us His bride, even before even before he he um, she said yes. By the way, do you know what he kept telling her over and over again? You are lovely. You are lovely. Every time she said, "Oh, but do you remember this thing, this dark thing in my past?" He said, "Yet yeah, you are lovely." You are lovely. Jesus looks and he does not see. He doesn't even see the things of our past. He's died for those things. He forgave those things. They're gone and buried. And what he sees is the destiny that he's called us to. What he sees is the promises over our life. What he sees is a beautiful son or daughter who's been adopted into his kingdom and who has become the bride of Christ and a co-heir with Christ. Wow. And what does that mean? What does it mean that we are co-heirs with Christ? Everything that Jesus has, he says, is ours. All of his riches. What is that verse? Is it uh, Ephesians 3.16? Let me look here. See if my phone will work. Nope, it's not that. (laughs) Is it the verse? It's the verse where he says that he's given us every every spiritual blessing. What is it? One what? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> the kind intention of His will. Wow, mm-hmm. that we were adopted because of the kindness of His will. It was His will that we were adopted. It's His, and it's His will that we are the house of God. It's His will that we are the bride of Christ, and it's His will that we are filled to all the fullness with the Holy Spirit. We're not a vessel that's. We're not to be a vessel that's just filled up, and left there. You know those those uh, earthen vessels. They weren't filled up with wine and left there. They were poured poured out. And that's what our lives are to look like. They're to look like lives poured out. Um, I want to look at Romans 12 2. Um, yeah, and this is New American Standard. He predestined us to adoption as sons. Wait, back up one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, no, here you are. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, the Great Commission, when, he, when Jesus commissioned the 12, when he commissioned the 70, it was all the same. When he commissions us, it's all the same. He says, go, go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the leper, Um, freely you've received freely give that's the vessel that's the vessel poured out what he gives to us we pour out the more that we pour out we're not going to be empty the more that we pour out the more filled up we're going to be because he's a god of multiplication he is he is an everlasting fountain of life in you flowing out to those around you Um, and he says go and demonstrate demonstrate who i am um You and I are essential to the gospel. You you can't sit back and think, well, Jesus did it all. The gospel is complete. I'll just say what he did and I'll just let my words, uh, you know, and the message of what Jesus accomplished, I'll just let that speak for itself and then I'll go and I'll do whatever I want to do with the rest of my life. Well, we're not our own. (laughs) We were bought with a price, we were bought with the blood of Christ and by his wounds. When, when he took us unto himself, you know, it says it, when um, all his glory passed before uh, Moses and Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock. That is a picture of us being hidden in the wounds of Christ, that we truly were bought with the price and he took us unto himself on that cross. He paid a price for us and we are not our own. We are to be lives poured out. We're essential to the gospel. The gospel is incomplete without us because we have a Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit, um, it's our participation. It's our communion. That that communion signifies every time we take it that we believe in, in what Christ did on the cross, that we are in agreement with it, we're in alignment with it. Our eyes are fixed on the perfect and unblemished Lamb of God who gave his life for the sins of the world. And, and it is our participation, our communion, our partnership with the Holy Spirit. We are in communion with the Holy Spirit. We are one with him in spirit. And Pastor Mike said last week, to change lives, the supernatural power of God needs to be manifested where it can't be denied. So what does love look like? What does love look like? Love looks like something. Love looks like Jesus on the cross. That's what love looks like. That's God, that is the Father showing his greatest love, that he would give his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is love. If you ever just think, well, I don't know if the Father, uh, if the Heavenly Father loves me, well, he couldn't show you any other greater thing because he sent his son just for you individually, as an individual. Yes, he sent his son for the sins of the world, but he sent his son for you as an individual because he loves you so much. And he knows the plans and the, and the things that he has for you, and he's calling you to those things. He's calling you to those things. He wants us to be intimate with him. Um, so that's why it's important. It's so important for us to know our identity. Because if we don't know our identity, if we let the enemy or ourselves or anybody else convince us that we are less than, then we're not only are we cheating ourselves, but we're cheating the world. People are waiting. People are waiting for us to walk out what we believe. And, you know, Mike said last week, you might pray for 900 people and maybe nothing will happen. But maybe on the 901st, Maybe thousands are going to be healed, right? <laughs> we never know. We never know even the significance of sharing with one person. Um, you know, I, for instance, the story, I don't know if any of you guys know or how many of you know who Heidi Baker is, but she was just one girl in a meeting where they were, it was an, in an Indian, on an Indian reservation, and the, the guy who was speaking gave an altar call, and she's the only one. She's the only one who responded. And he might have thought, oh, gosh, I guess my message didn't have very much impact. Only one person came forward. But if you look up her ministry, it's phenomenal. She sees blind open, eyes opened all the time. Now, she's in a horrific place because there are people being persecuted for their faith, regardless of what their faith is. You know, but people are being persecuted for their faith on a daily basis. But yet she's seen thousands and thousands and thousands of miracles. She walks out what it looks like to be a life poured out and to love people. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if you just, even, you know, don't devalue. Don't devalue one interaction that you have. Don't devalue that. You'll never know. uh, Maybe you'll never know on this side of heaven what impact you had. Ed's brother Bill was was in a prison, and there was a Bible in a prison, And he came face to face with Jesus. He had an encounter there. And the guy who planted those Bibles years later, now see, this might not be the benefit of everybody gets this benefit, but years later, there was a guy who had been smuggling Bibles in and planting Bibles in these prisons. And he said, you know, I don't know if I ever had any impact. I don't know if it ever made any difference. But I just was being obedient to God. And Ed's brother Bill was there and able to say, it made a difference. I had an encounter with Jesus. And Ed's brother Bill was responsible for so much of the growth and the revival that's happening in Ukraine. Because our nephews have had the chance to go around and distribute things all throughout Ukraine. And when they do, they hear, they hear oh, I'm who I am because your father or your father-in-law mentored me. And so you don't, don't devalue, don't devalue one little thing that you do, but do it, <laughs> do it, be a life poured out, and this is what grace is all about, grace is the person of Christ, and so, um, you know, grace isn't something that, that like Pastor Mike said, grace isn't something that gives us a license to sin, grace is actually, what the grace of God is actually for is to know Christ as the indweller, mm-hmm. so grace to you grace to you that you would have a revelation of the indwelling Christ within you grace is holiness, grace is God's ability to actually live in you and love through you so um, and there might be somebody here who doesn't, who hasn't already given their yes, maybe there's, there are people here who still think oh, I'm, I'm dark, I'm unlovely um, I did too many things. <laughs> the glorious news of the of the cross is that Jesus finished it all. Jesus finished it. As a matter of fact, in most translations, when he said, um, in most translations where he said it is finished, it's just translated that way. It is finished. Um, but. Let's see here. John. Doo, doo, doo. Let me see if I can find this for you real quick. Because where, where he actually said, it is finished. Um, no, I don't have it saved on here. When, where Jesus actually said, it is finished. He w- his language wasn't Greek. So that, that was translated in the Greek. But... Um, what he really said was the Aramaic word, because he spoke Aramaic. And so what he really said on the cross was kala. And what that means is, in its entirety, it does mean it's finished, it's complete. But it also means bride. And so what he did on the cross, yes, he bowed his head. He surrendered to his spirit to God. Yes, see, there it goes. When he had sipped the sour wine, he said, it is finished, my bride. So a lot of, there's been this uncovering of, and it really is dissecting the word. If you're stuck, if you're not excited about reading the word, oh boy, pick up some other translations for yourself. Because just like you and I are multifaceted, sometimes you'll get a different nuance. It's like listening to a different worship song and you'll get something else out of it. And so if there's not a freshness, when you sit down to read the word, because the word of God is Christ. And the word of God is Christ, right? He is the living word. And, um, and so it, the word of God is alive. And when you sit down to read the word, you're sitting down to have an encounter with him. So don't read the word. Don't sit down just grudgingly and... Think, oh well, I'm gonna read for a little bit. I know I'm gonna read, I know it's gonna fill me up. Somehow I'll get something out of it. Really look for an encounter with him. And there are gems that are there are gems that are hidden. You might think, oh, well, there's so much history. So many people have already laid the foundation, they've already explored everything there is to be explored, they've already uncovered all the jewels in the Word of God. So I'm just gonna look and see whatever they found. No, He has hidden things. For you. It is the glory of God to conceal matter. It is the glory of kings to search it out. You're kings. You're, we're kings and priests. That's another part of our identity. Right? And he hid things for us. There still our glorious gems hidden in his word, just for you. Just for you. So, um, so yeah, if you if you if anybody doesn't know Jesus, if anybody has never been anybody has ever been to the place where they don't know. They don't know if they ever received the Holy Spirit. They don't know if, if um, for some reason they don't know if their salvation was complete or they still think, think they're ugly or, or dirty or whatever. Christ's work on the cross was finished. He says you are lovely before before you ever even said yes. You are lovely. You're beautiful. Beautiful. So would you let him love on you? Would you let him love on you? Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your love, which is so incomprehensible. What you did on the cross, Lord, what you did on the cross was, uh, was beyond our imagination, beyond our imagination and I thank you thank you Father that you had the rescue plan in place that you loved us so much that you were willing to send your son as our rescue plan so that he would go through everything like we went through he would understand us completely and he would willingly lay down his life nobody took it from him he willingly surrendered his life on the cross he willingly took us unto himself so that we would be co-crucified You're everything, Jesus. You're everything. We just ask that you would be glorified in us and through us, Lord, and that your love really would change the world, Lord. Let us walk as the supernatural, spirit-filled beings that we truly are, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, We have people up here to pray. If you've never received Christ, please come and do that. If you, uh, like I said, if you feel like there's things that you just need to let go of, do it. You know. Uh, somebody recently in in a prayer meeting that I was in saw this picture of a rearview mirror and they uh, saw a hand reaching up to take it off and throw it out the window that's a picture of what Christ wants to do for you right now if you're looking in the rearview mirror if you're seeing all this nasty stuff he just wants to take that mirror pluck it off pluck it off the windshield and toss it out (laughs) because anytime you look at the past I want you to look through the blood of Christ He owns our past. We don't. So when we look at our past, we're going to look through the blood of Christ and through what he's already accomplished for us, and we're going to see what he sees in us. And we're going to look to the word to see what he sees in us. So we just uh, thank you.